Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, my goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Hey, my wonderful listeners and women, I am back again for another episode. And today we are talking about parenting our inner child. I know that sounds like fluff, but it is so important. It took a pretty upsetting time in my life to start doing this work and to realize how much some things happened in my childhood triggered some of my responses to who I am today, some of the ways that I react to things and some of the ways that I feel guilt. So today on the show, I have Lavinia Brown here who specializes in this. She's going to break it down for us and tell you a little bit about how she works. And I share a little bit about myself and some of my experiences as well. Lavinia Brown is a one-to-one coach, company gender equality and inclusion consultant, author, and speaker. As a multi-passionate lifelong learner, she has enjoyed a portfolio career since graduating from Oxford University that includes over 20 years as an employee of and service provider to the fine wine, corporate events, boutique hotels, merchant banking, auctioneering, luxury goods, marketing, and energy drinks sector. Her purpose is to support ambitious, multitasking mothers to unleash their untapped potential through clearing inherited emotional baggage, becoming clear on who and what their strengths are, and learn how to assert healthy boundaries so that they can own their authentic feminine power without feeling too big, selfish, or guilty. Hi, Lavinia. Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. So happy you're here today. Thank you so much. This is something that I mentioned in my intro that I really wasn't aware of what an inner child was. And I and I know that in the past when I've mentioned it to people, that I get a little like poo-poo, like whatever, like I'm not into that type of thing. But when I explored it a little bit more, I, I realized, oh my God, this is so important if you want to grow at all as a person to do this work, as as hard and as painful as it is. So um, having you here today is really important to me. And I think many of my listeners are really going to benefit from this. So if you're listening and you're going, oh, God, another thing, another psychological thing, I promise you, you will listen to this and you will find ways to do this type of work, parenting your inner child, and really feel some relief from it. So Welcome. Thank you for being here. I am excited to get started. Awesome. So do you want me to tell you a little bit about what the inner child is and and how we repair her? Yes. I was was just about to ask you that question so that worked (laughs) out well. (laughs) Go ahead. So you, you mentioned that this might be hard and painful. Actually, it's the opposite. So what's hard and painful is when you haven't reparented your inner child. So to go back a step, your inner child is the energy of your child that you carry within you 
along with your inner teenager, along with all sorts of ages of you, whatever your age. So you can be 80, you still have an inner child, you still have an inner teenager. So these children, these teenagers went through difficult experiences, challenging experiences. Of course they did, that's life, right? And they went through them by themselves. And this is the key point. When we went through a difficult, challenging experience, I'm staying away from the word trauma deliberately because some people are like, trauma, whoa, no, I don't have trauma. But we all had difficult experiences, being left in a supermarket, being lost, um, being not allowed to go to something that was really, really important to us, but our parents said no, our parents not allowing us to grieve or be angry in the way that we needed to be. That's the kind of experience I'm talking about. And that's difficult because it meant that we weren't allowed to be ourselves. When we went through those by ourselves, we had to face big feelings and children can't deal with big feelings. They're not psychologically evolved enough to do so. So the whole point about reparenting is that you're going back to some of these pivotal moments, by no means all of them, that would just be, that would be hard and painful. You're going back to every (laughs) single difficult experience in your life, but you're going back to them and you're reassuring your inner child that she's no longer alone, that you, big you, is there with her. And by doing that, you take any trauma, difficulty, pain out of that memory of that experience because you're reliving it again with big you does that make sense it does make sense Uh, but i'm gonna i'm gonna need you to explain a little bit more about how that happens are there are there steps in the process of doing this kind of work yeah so the first step is where i start always is connecting with your inner child And, and that's that's really really easy But it is a process because if you had a childhood where you weren't necessarily loved and validated in the way that you needed it, your child, your inner child might be quite mistrustful. So when you're connecting with her, which I tell my clients to do every single day, just for three minutes, one minute, two minutes, it doesn't matter, but just a little bit every day telling her that you're there, she might at the beginning be a bit like, "Mm, who are you? what do you want? I'm fine here in my little ivory tower. You know, I've had to become self-reliant. I don't need anyone. So why, you know, what are you doing? Why are you reaching out? And they won't necessarily trust you. So it's a process of gaining her trust, just as we would with our children, same thing. And when she trusts us and opens up a little bit more, then she can tell us how she's feeling. But the bit where people get a bit stuck is this isn't just another chore. It's not, oh, God, I've just put all my kids to bed. Now I have to put my my inner child to bed. (laughs) It's not not that. You are your inner child. That's exactly what I was thinking, by the way. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) A lot of people do at the beginning. And I'm like, hold on. How are you doing this? Are you your child or are you big you? And they're like, oh, I'm big me. And I'm like, no, switch it around. You are the inner child because you're the one that's feeling anxious, scared, tired, nervous, angry, sad. All of these feelings are your inner child. Because when your inner child feels safe and loved, she's not running your show. The person running your life is your wise, kick-ass, amazing, take everything in her stride, big you. She doesn't feel frustration, disappointment, sadness, grief. She's like just cool. 
So any other emotion is your child. So I encourage my clients to do it last thing at night when there's no distractions, no kids to look after, no one bothering you. You're relaxed because you're in bed. And to connect with her and say, hi. Uh, so it is a bit weird. I mean, when you, when you explain it theoretically, <laughs> it's like, what? I'm talking to myself. You just kind of go, go, when you do it, it's much easier. So you are you, you are little you, but you're also big you asking little you how she is. But kind of embodying little you more. So, oh, do you know what? I feel really anxious right now. Oh, wow. What, why do you feel anxious? I don't know. I just, oh, I feel a bit overwhelmed. I feel like everything's oh, got on top of me. Wow. Yeah. No, I really get that. That's, that's, that sounds really hard. Yeah. And you let her talk. So of course it's you talking, you know, it's got that element of if you've ever done a guided meditation, you're kind of like, but I'm awake. I'm, <laughs> I'm conscious of what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah, so you've got to put that to the side, but once you can do that, it becomes much more natural and less clunky. And if you are the inner child, it's actually so soothing. That's the whole point. You're soothing yourself. That's the point. What are the types of things that come up for people uh, when they start doing this inner child work, because most, you know, there are a lot of people who really don't get deep enough into their into that type of thing, and will say, "Well, I don't know. I had a happy childhood. What are you talking about?" You know, what 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 have people found when they're they're starting to do this work? It normally starts with motherhood. Uh, your children will trigger you. The yes. Oh boy. Let me just tell you about that. <laughs> that <laughs> exactly. No, 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 seriously, because I I think from the second. My daughter was born, that gets triggered. Like all of a sudden, you know, with the guilt and then this and the that. And usually the guilt is related to something that your parents did that maybe you didn't like or, you know, wasn't the right way at the time or whatever it was. But yes, wow, that's a, it's a real thing. And that is when Absolutely. you start doing it. I mean, in my opinion, that's when I started evaluating my entire childhood. Exactly. So yeah. you're going to unconsciously parent like your parents, whether you want to or not until you make the conscious patterns that are governing you conscious. And inner parenting is a way to get over the traumatic experiences that you experienced because those are what created the unconscious patterns and the self-limiting beliefs such as, I cannot be vulnerable, I cannot show weakness, I don't trust other people, I'm scared, I'm, I'm unlovable. I'm scared of being abandoned. All of these really, really deep-seated beliefs were picked up in childhood. Obviously, they were. And, you know, you're not born with them. You pick them up. So you pick them up from your childhood. And motherhood is a great way to access those beliefs which lie dormant because your kids will trigger the shit out of you until you look at that trigger. Um, you know, being ignored was a massive one for me, like having to shout and shout, just feeling like I was invisible. And that wasn't about my kids because all kids do that. It was much deeper seated than that. But I knew it was a belief of mine that I am invisible because when my kids triggered me, I would react disproportionately. So that's the thing. You know, when you're accessing something from your childhood, because your reaction is disproportionate. 
Yeah. My um, my son says that to me a lot. But don't you kind of tune them out after a while sometimes because they just keep saying the same thing over and over and over? Well, no? it dep- that's just do me. You feel there's any tr- <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But it's. do you believe there's truth in what he's saying? Um, I do. I do. And I think part of it is that he... Um, so part of it is that he, conti- he talks over everyone all the time, interrupts. So we might be in the middle of a conversation and then he starts talking and no one ever listens to me. And I'm like, honey, we're talking. I think another part of it is he talks a lot. And so sometimes he's talking and then the rest of my family with complete ADHD starts talking over him. So yes, it does happen. And he has pointed it out to us. And we have recently said that I, I talked about it with my husband. I said, listen, you know, he's really feeling like he's not seen and not heard. So we have to, you know, really pay attention to it. So, you know, it's a mix of things. But um, when you just said that, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to work on that. (laughs) But that's his trigger, right? That's his trigger. That's not your trigger. Right. That's his trigger. That's his trigger. He is feeling that no one is listening, even though someone might be listening. And I've got my, I've got uh, three kids. My middle child always feels like she's got the short end of the straw, even though, because I know this, she normally gets the bigger portion of food, more presents, because she counts them every Christmas, she will count (laughs) presents. So I, you know, make sure she's got equal or more. She still thinks that she's got less than, but that's her stuff. We can't tackle their stuff. We have to tackle our stuff first. So when I'm saying you you would react disproportionately, it would be you, for example, reacting disproportionately to your son saying this or to your son Mm -hmm. doing something. That's a trigger that's bringing you back to your childhood. And that's what we need to heal to be at least in the present, parenting from the present. Otherwise, we're parenting from our past. Right. So if, if, you know, for example, if, um, you know, my daughter does something with me as her mother that triggers something between that was, you know, similar between myself and my mother, that's something that I have to address and look at. Is that, is that correct? It doesn't. Or am I not getting it at all? No, no, maybe (laughs) it could well be that it's being passed down. Absolutely. But I mean, I don't know. Let me give well, you. Well, how about you? Let's get, yeah, give an example from yeah. a, a client or somebody else that you. I'd love to well, hear that. Me, I used to get really annoyed when the kids would ignore me. That's mm-hmm. one thing. I used to get really annoyed when people were late for me. Like I, it really triggered me. And of course, it's annoying if someone's late. But I used to get more annoyed than like is normal. It would really. So you'd see like rage. I, I would be really, really angry. I used to get very angry when people disrespected me. So for example, a call center, you must have been on the phone to a call center and someone's like just not listening and you feel like they're not respecting you. And you're like, I told you, I told you this is what's happening. And you're not, I, w- I don't want to keep saying the same thing. And you just get really mad. That's, that's a belief that I'm not being respected. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Maybe you're I've just very cool and very chilled and you feel all your no, childhood. I'm not, oh, oh my God. Oh my God, that is so not true. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I'm just trying to understand it. Um, and that I, I have plenty of that. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> so it's when you see red, when you know deep down that you shouldn't be seeing red and uh-huh. you end up just letting off like a tsunami of rage, it's like right, of course. rage. Yep. And it's not actually directed at them. This is triggering an old part of you. And what's basically happening is that your inner child is having a tantrum. 
That's why it yeah. feels so horrible. You're out of control. I, I actually I, have something. I have something I have to mention to you that um, <laughs> my my brother growing up used to do very annoying things with his hands and he would like stick them in my face or like pull on my ear. He used to just like do things that would drive me crazy. And sometimes my son does the exact same things. It's just in him. And I blow up. I blow up. And I'm like, don't do that. You know, I hate it. Blah, blah, blah. I, all of a sudden, I am that like seven-year-old kid screaming at my brother. And um, I, I've just recently become aware. I'm like, okay, he's not your brother. He's, a, you know, he is doing it intentionally and trying to be annoying, but <laughs> he's your child. It's a different example. Was that right? Is that, is that an example? That's or is that totally I, it. Yeah. Okay, no, good. Totally <laughs> so, so if I was off again. <laughs> no. So mom's feeling touched out. Massive one. Touched yeah. out, like just, ah. Oh. And it's different to feeling touched out and just being like, my God, I want my body back. It's like, I used to have it. I couldn't, I wasn't very good at receiving affection from my kids, which is an awful thing to admit. Like you're, you're meant to be loving every kiss and hug. And, you know, my, my, my partner's a human climbing frame. He does not mind. <laughs> I, I, am, I just can't, I can't do it. And that is from my childhood when my boundaries weren't respected physically because I was forced to kiss people, hello, goodbye, forced to kiss strangers, adult guests, and that triggers that in me. So absolutely, if your son is doing that and it, prov it provokes that response in you, yes, that is your inner child that is being triggered. And you are exactly going back to that seven-year-old. Yeah. Or like uh, squeezing my cheek. And it, I'm very affectionate with my kids. This is different. This is like intentionally doing something to be annoying in your yeah. in your personal space. Ooh, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it drives yeah. me crazy. That's yeah. totally it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. So the affection thing is an interesting one because I can give affection because I'm in control. That's fine. I'm, I'm very affectionate giving it, but receiving it, that's different. My daughter is the exact same way. We call it Tatum time. So she'll, she does not like, and she's been like this since she was born. She does not like to be held or hugged or kissed on someone else's time. Like yeah. she will come to you and give you a hug when she wants to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and she's aware of it too. She said, you know, I, I think she sometimes feels a little claustrophobic with hugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So she's too young. That how, The way I would approach it is via the inner child. So the inner child is just a tool that we can use to access, I'd call it coping mechanisms or behaviors that we've adopted um, to stop us feeling pain. So I don't know why your daughter's, maybe she's, well, there's something going on. I don't know. It's what, my because, fault, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's always our fault, right? It's always our fault. I would say it was my fault if she wasn't like that from the second I held her in my arms. I could feel in her body that she did not want to be held. I could feel it. Yeah, it's so yeah. crazy. I mean, even as a little baby, it was really like when she wanted to be held. I, 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 it's just, it's so interesting to me. So in a child world, it's not always the key. Yeah, you know that's what we would explore, and if it doesn't, then then it's not. But yeah, that's really. I mean, in that case, I would say it's past life work, which really is woo woo. That that is where people say, you know, no, no, no I think it's interesting. Child was the same. She's been angry her whole life, angry, and yeah. the older she got, the less angry she got. But she's still. I mean, yeah, if a child's born like that, in my opinion, 
it's it's come with them. It's something else. That's so interesting. Mm. I, I believe in that stuff. I really do. I think that there's I something do. behind all of us. Hey, it lets us off the hook. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> it's, not my it's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't no, do I don't it. Get me I work with clients, but my children is all past life. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is the end goal to parenting your inner child once you learn how to do that? What, what are we trying to fulfill in our lives? Well, like I said, It's about getting her to feel safe and loved so that big you can take control of your life. Because when she's feeling safe and loved and validated, she doesn't react. You you don't get the same childlike reactions because the triggers that you've explored are no longer there. So when you're being triggered into something from your past, we heal it through reparenting. But once you've healed it, you've done it. You don't need to go back there again. It's no longer a trigger. So that's the great thing. It only triggers you as long as she's not uh, gone through it again. So the thing with your son, for example, if you explored where that came from and you went back to the earliest time that you can remember, you've already said with your, your brother, but there may be times before that. We always go back to the earliest time that you can remember feeling the same way. You reparent your child through that experience, and then your son could be all over you, wouldn't bother you. Or it might be, it might bother you a bit because it's annoying, but it wouldn't <laughs> trigger you into that, like, ah, you know. Right. So the right. end goal is not to have any, any triggers to be like, you know, Dalai Lama. <laughs> What do people feel when they, so if people are working with you and coaching, what have they told you that they feel coming out of your program? Do they just feel lighter? Do they feel lighter, freer, calmer? They don't react. They're not reactive. They're not volatile. So they're able to act from their present. A lot of my clients either spend so much time in the past or worrying about the future. They're not present. They have panic attacks. They feel depressed. They feel guilty. They feel angry. All of those feelings go. So it's not to say you never react to things. You know, if someone like bangs into my car, I'm going to be annoyed. Of course I am. But I'm not getting annoyed from my backlog of anger. I'm not triggering a backlog. I'm, I'm reacting from the now. So that's what happens. Except when you have hormone rage. Oh, it's a good question because uh, I work a lot with the menstrual cycle and hormone rage isn't hormone rage in my book. It's your body telling you what you need to let go of or change or do more of. So it usually happens before your period, premenstrual stress or tension. And that is your body showing you things that you need to change ready for the next cycle. This is the amazing thing about being cyclical women, that we're actually rebirthed every single month. We can be. And we're rebirthed into a more authentic, more powerful version of ourselves. So every month, when we get really angry about something or really sad about something or really overwhelmed before our period, that's like, ooh, why? What am I getting angry about? What belief is it triggering in me? Again, it's their triggers that we can look at and we can heal. So Mm. hormonal rage is a pointer to what needs to change. And when you change that, you won't get it anymore. Do you have any examples of that? 
I started tracking about five years ago. And when I mean tracking, it's not just, oh, I got my period on this day. It's tracking your mood. It's tracking what you, your cravings. It's tracking how you want to dress. It's tracking definitely your emotions, but all sorts of things, how you slept, what kind of dreams you had. I would get like in a rage day 19, 20, 21, around that time. I would feel really like I wanted to kill everyone. And at the same time, I thought I was having a nervous breakdown, like real overwhelm. The tiniest things like picking the kids up from school would be like really scary and overwhelming. And, you know, and then often I'd be like, what is wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. And then I'd look at my diary and I'd be like, oh, it's day 19. So I used to feel that. And when I started going, okay, what, what am I actually angry about? What am I actually overwhelmed by? And I started changing what I was getting angry and overwhelmed by, which was usually having taken on too much and not resting enough, not winding down before my period came, because that's what we're meant to be doing. In summer, which is when you ovulate, you're in super mum mode, superwoman mode. So you can do everything. It's like, bring it on. I can do more. I've got like 10 things up in the air and I can take another 10 on, no problem. If, you, if you're not conscious of autumn, which is the next season, which is the week after ovulation and the week before your period, which is winter, if you're not aware that you need to be winding down and dropping some of those balls that are in the air, if you don't do that, you're going to slam into the wall that is autumn or winter, like a car crash. And it's going to make you drop all the balls. So my grief, my overwhelm, my anger was because I wasn't winding down. I was carrying on as though I was superwoman, you know, regardless. And it got too much. So I was getting angry with everyone, shouting at everyone, really short-tempered, just wanting everyone to go away, wanting to run away, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and wind down slowly. So I started doing that. And this is a process, of course, it takes time. And when I started doing that, I don't have day 19, 20, 21 anymore. I don't have it. What, and then what happened, which was so interesting, then I started getting the same symptoms on day five, six, and five or six. And then I was like, what? Oh, I day six for me, all every cycle. Right. So that is your transition from winter into spring. And so I was getting those, and I was like, what? I thought I dealt with this. Why is it coming in five? That's not fair. It's spring. And then I was like, oh, hold on. Let me think about what this could be for me. So I'm giving you examples for me. We're all unique. The pointers will be for you and your life. And but Lavinia, I this is so great what you're saying. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, no. I, I just I, I love this advice because um, I I do think sometimes our heads are so full of fog and and you know we can't think straight when we're in that state. However, um, I have learned. You know, I've had doctors say to me, "Is your PMS? Is your you know irritability? Is it worse? You know, when you're away on vacation or you're somewhere else?" And I'm like, "No, it's not. It's it's still there, but it's definitely not what it is when I'm going through my normal everyday routine." And I've I've remembered that, and I've been really cautious about. You know, even um, this week, I'm not having a great PMS week, and I um, 
at the end of the day, just like got in my bed and watched TV in my bed. And my kids are like, why are you in bed? I was like, I'm just resting, you know, and I just, Mm. I needed to be away from everybody. Not, not because I don't love everybody, but I knew that if like the smallest thing would trigger me and I would, you know, blow up. So I just needed to isolate myself a little bit. And it's not easy to do that because you feel I don't know. I sometimes feel a little guilt at something else I'm working on. Um, but but when you start doing it, you realize how important that is. And I, I love what you just said. You're so right. I need to do more of that myself. You're doing exactly the right thing. So yeah. ideally, have you heard of red tents? So red tents are what you're meant to retreat into when you have your period. In like indigenous societies, a lot of indigenous societies, when women have got their periods, they literally retreat from life. Their children are taken care of by aunts, grandmothers. They go off and they have their hair stroked and, you know, they're fed food. They just lie down and ret. Like, how amazing would that be, right? Yeah. That's what we're craving. So anything that is stopping us from getting to that deep, deep rest is going to trigger you and because that's what we need. I mean, all you need to do is look at nature. What does a tree do in winter? Nothing. Nothing. It's just there, right? It doesn't grow anything. There aren't any shoots. It's just there. It's just like dead. That is what we're meant to be doing. We are meant to mirror the cycles of nature. So you did exactly the right thing. You created a red tent for yourself. And obviously this is difficult because we live in a patriarchy which favors productivity and efficiency and being on all of the time. So this is our work as women to reclaim our cyclical nature, which is not the same as being on all the time. It's being on because we've rested. So it's being off and then it's being on. And when you can do that, which is what your equivalent, your PMS or my day 19, 20, 21 was telling me, when we can do that, your life changes because you have so much more energy, your karma in your summer. Everything resets in the way that it should be. And what I was just going to say about the day six, like for me, again, might be different for you. I realized that it was like a grieving. I was grieving that I hadn't rested enough during my actual period because in my mind, because I have the same as you, I think all mums do this guilt. It was like, oh shit, I didn't like take advantage of the time that I had permission to be quiet and not achieve anything and, you know, be on low form. And now I'm in spring and now summer's coming and oh God, I'm back on the treadmill. And it was this grieving thing. That's why it was coming up on day five and six. And I looked at that. Now that's gone. So you're in a constant dialogue with your body and your, it's not so much hormonal. This is, this is your emotions and your physical symptoms. Your body will make you ill if you're not resting enough. It's not easy, though, as as mothers or women in general. I feel like we put, you know, a lot on our plate. It's it's not always easy to do that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I know that we so should. It's, it's really, so hard. really hard. So, you know, even if you get a I notice that I'll, I'll get a small dose of it and I'll go, oh, if I could just go on vacation every month alone <laughs> for a few days, uh. I would never deal with all of this. You know, if I could just not talk to anybody, you know, just just be with me, read some books, meditate, you know, I'd be great. I oh, should be, be we should, we should, let's start a, <laughs> let's start a, um, a hormone retreat. <laughs> for, we'll do a package. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I'm up for that. So what it, it's about the intention. 
you know, uh-huh. your the laundry doesn't go away because you've got your period. <laughs> the, right. the the weekly shop doesn't go away, but it's the intention. It's maybe moving a bit slower. It's like for me, it was being less manic in my head. It wasn't yeah. necessarily what I did. It was how I approached it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's how we can work with being busy mums or busy women and include this. It's maybe taking five minutes, five minutes to lie down like you did. It's doing yeah. that. Yeah. Really that's does the, help a lot. That, that's what it's doing. Just little, little gestures that count to show your body that you are aware of where you're at in your cycle. I noticed that one of the things you, you have a few courses on your site, and one of them is um, called Finding Freedom um, mm-hmm. and, and Stop Feeling Negative to Heal Your Inner Child and Tame Your Inner Bully. Um, tell me a little bit about that, um, uh, because I think that um, <laughs> freedom is a word that I don't feel very often. Um, it is a, it's something I don't feel very often in my life. Um, I, I do feel uh, like a lot of mothers that we are doing for everybody. And I, look, I shouldn't say mothers, I think women in general. Um, so, so what is your approach to this? So for me, the freedom means freedom from your chat, your inner chat. It means freedom from your past. It means freedom to be the person that you are. So getting rid of your unconscious patterns, which are ruling you. And when you can do that and they're conscious, then you're acting from the essence of you rather than who you feel you should be because of who society or parents told you you should be. And that's what you did to fit in. So it's freedom to be who you are, the real you. Mm, And that's something that I talk about a lot on my show with women that uh, you know, actually have asked me to, to touch on this. So, so can you give an example of a couple of ways that you do that? Well, yeah, in, in, the, the inner critic's a really important one because most of us have, well, all of us have an inner critic. Uh, all of us have several voices in our head. And what we want to do, we can never get rid of them. You can't erase your inner critic, but you can tame it. So we want to make sure that the kind voices, the voices that are encouraging and compassionate and loving towards us, that they have space to, to, to be heard. And if we don't work on taming the inner bully, and by that, I mean, finding out where it's come from, because you've, you've internalized the voice from someone else. This is someone else's voice from your childhood. It could be a parent. It could be a figure of authority. It could be like a teacher or something, but you've internalized this bully. So we work to find out where it's come from. We distance ourselves from it. And through doing that, they become less loud and it gives you room for the other voices. So that's one of the ways in which you can feel free from a really destructive um, force in your life. Because if you don't have that, then you wouldn't be scared. You wouldn't have imposter syndrome. You wouldn't feel the need to be a people pleaser. You, you, would, you would be free, more free to be who you want to be without this voice telling you that you've got it wrong or that you're bad or all of those kinds of things. Mm, that's really important. Can you talk a little bit more about the backlog part to this type of work? Absolutely. So when we're tiny children, we can't process these big feelings that I mentioned right at the beginning. And they grow. They they don't go away because you can't feel them. They grow. And it's like we have a little box of feelings that we couldn't process at the time. So a lot of this work is going back to that box, opening up that box, which obviously 
can feel really scary and painful, but with the inner child work that we do and the support that you get from Big Q whilst you're going back to these early experiences, we can clear this backlog because the backlog is what is causing you to overreact. You've got years worth of anger, years worth of resentment, years worth of, of grief maybe that hasn't been accessed and processed consciously. And that means not shouting at your kids, which is letting which is letting off steam. That's why it feels good, but that's not fair on them. That's unconsciously letting off steam. What we want to do is process it consciously and channel it towards the people it's meant to be channeled it towards, which is your parents. And that that is another key part of, of doing this work. So it's removing the backlog and reparenting your child through the experiences that created that backlog. But how do you remove the backlog? What is that process like? You feel it. You get angry. So it's just kind of it's just kind of talking about it and, and 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 I don't know if admitting is the right word that you have experienced this and it does affect you. Is that correct? Absolutely admitting. Yeah, because often my clients came from ch- parents who wouldn't let them be angry or wouldn't let them mm-hmm. be sad. You know, they were told that's enough now. You've cried enough now. Shh. That's all. We're not angry in this in this household, or we don't argue in this household. They were told how to feel, so all of these emotions couldn't come out. So it's absolutely that it's giving yourself permission to be really angry and writing it out, maybe in your journal, or shouting at a tree, or doing whatever you need to do to get it out. But it's absolutely giving yourself permission. You are allowed to feel these feelings, and it's. It's almost giving yourself permission to be a victim. That's really important. Just you, that your feelings matter and it's not about how other people are going to take it. That's all to one side. It's how it affected you. So allowing you to feel the grief perhaps that you never felt because your parents weren't there for you in the right in the way that you needed them to be. So it's feeding those feelings, getting them out. That's that's very hard for us Gen Xers who <laughs> who were kind of told to just suck it up and toughen up and you know move on and I, I, it's it's definitely something I've worked on but it's it again very very hard to all of a sudden uh, change yourself in that way. It's so cathartic though. It's so cathartic. Yeah. Because it's so yeah. difficult. I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I was spanked if I did anything wrong. So not only, and a lot of us were, a lot of our parents mm-hmm. did that because that's the way that they were brought up. There was no mm-hmm. like, oh, how's this going to affect my child? Um, is this reaction proportionate to what they've done wrong? No, it was all about how we, how, how much we bothered them. They didn't ever look at it from our point of view. So yeah, it's so liberating to finally be given permission to say all of the things that you didn't say because you couldn't. You know, this is so interesting. When I was about 13, my dad smacked me across the face for being fresh. And I'll never forget it. I can still feel how my cheek felt. And I love my dad. I'm super close with my dad. But I I brought it up with him recently. And my dad is not the most communicative or emotive person. But I said to him, hey, hey, dad, I'm like, you know, you slapped me across the face when I was 13 because I was being fresh. I'm like, you know, that's that's like abusive. <laughs> you, know, you don't do that anymore. To, you, you just don't do that. And his first response was, well, you probably deserved it. I don't remember, but you probably deserved it. And he wouldn't 
he wouldn't apologize for it. And that, that was kind of all I needed to sort of move on from whatever anger was triggered with that. And then maybe like three days later, he came back. He said, I, you know, I don't remember doing that, but I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry. And it was such a huge moment for him as a parent and for me as a child to say, OK, because listen, I mean, I've never hit my kids, but we all know what sometimes it feels like when we get to that point <laughs> where mm. we like we hold back and we we we're not hurting our children. But but sometimes they could get a little fresh and you're like, Ugh, and you, you want to lose it, but you don't. So, you know, I can understand how somebody who doesn't have self-control does that. Not that not that that is OK whatsoever. That's beautiful that he did that. I love that he did that. Yeah, it was a really big moment for him. And it was such a, you know, I had a little anger about that in the past. And and I was able to let go of that. Yeah, you needed to have your feelings validated. That was not okay, dad. And he he didn't. I love that he went away and thought about it. That's really sweet. You know, his initial reaction was like, nope, nope, I did the right thing. And then he went away and he was like, did I do the right thing? Do you know what? Maybe I didn't. And that takes balls. That's 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 vulnerable. And I think our parents' generation, it was my way or the highway. There's no like, I did it the right way. You you were parented the right way. My rules were my rules. And I did, you know, they they they're not open to change. Um, so when you do see that change, especially as they get older and they're, you know, reassessing their lives. It's it's hugely healing. It really is. I, unfortunately, this doesn't happen with everybody's parents, but um, both of my parents have been able to do that, and I, I it's helped a lot of the you're inner child stuff lucky. for me. I know I am. I know oh, I am. You're so lucky, no? Because most parents can't, to be honest. But part of that is the way that I have approached them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've done it with vulnerability and openness and and tact, and yeah, amazing. And empathy, actually. You know, as a parent. Uh, you know, I've been able mm. to say, you did X, Y, and Z when I was a kid. I now understand why you did that because I've done a lot of work on understanding their parents' generation and how they were parented. So I've been able to say, I'm not blaming you, but that did hurt me. Can we talk about it now? And, and you know, they've, they've maybe stubborn at first, but they do come around and it's, it's really healing. So I do feel very fortunate. You're right. Because there are a lot of people that can't do that with their parents. That's so interesting because my clients are are, are pretty much the opposite. So they are people pleasers because of the the childhood that they've had and they cannot blame their parents. It's very, very difficult because they've always put the blame on themselves. They think it's their fault. They did it wrong. They didn't manage their parents well enough. So what I encourage them to do is the opposite, to blame. I'm like, you need to blame now. You need to put all of the compassion and empathy to one side. So it sounds like you've done exactly the opposite, which is really interesting. Aren't you scared when you give that advice that your kids are going to do that to you? (laughs) No, no, not at all. Because this is healing generational stuff. Like you said, we have, of course, we have empathy and compassion for our parents and how they were parented. They had worse childhoods than we did pretty much across the board. But that gets in the way of at least my clients' um, ability to be their own people. They are suffocated by empathy and compassion for their parents. And therefore, they can't, they feel so guilty about being their own successful, happy people, because that would be disloyal to their parents who are suffering. 
mm-hmm. that I have to encourage them to be the victim, to blame, not, not as an end in itself, as a means to an end. It's almost like, right, right. just, just hate them just for now. I'm, I am right. giving you permission to hate them. And at the other end of that, when you come through that, there's acceptance. So you've come through the opposite way and you've come to acceptance. So it's, that's really, it's really fascinating actually. And it's so, it's so healing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Because acceptance is, is that's, that's the end goal. It has to be that your parents are human, that they make mistakes. Like we all do. And of course we will make mistakes. So going back to what you said, of course we're going to make mistakes, but I don't want to make the mistakes my parents made. I don't want to make unconscious mistakes that have been passed down the generations. That's what I help people to clear. I'm going to make my own mistakes in Lavinia Brown in this generation is going to make mistakes, of course, but I don't want to be making unconscious mistakes from the past. I think that's my duty to clear that. Yes, absolutely. Well, this was so uh, interesting, and I hope that this encourages other people to really look at their inner child and and try to do this work, because I think it's it's incredibly important. It really is. Tell everybody um, where they can find you and what you offer at the moment. So, as you said, I've got some e-courses. I have three e-courses, I, which are self-led. They're theirs for, you, for yours for life. And I also offer one-to-one coaching, three-month programs. And you can find out all about that on my website, LaviniaBrown.com. And I'm also on Instagram at LaviniaBrownCoaching. And I post every day with lots of tips and tools to get through, get through your past, heal your past, understand how your past might be affecting you now. So I would love to offer any listeners, if your this work resonates with you and you want to find out more, a 10% discount off my one-to-one coaching program. So that's the equivalent of around roughly 200 US dollars. And yeah, that would be great. I'd love to. Oh, thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for that. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. And and does your co- uh, your coaching program, how, how much coaching is that? What does that include? It's three months of one-to-one work. We meet on a video call regularly throughout the three months. And I offer 24-7 online access. So we're pretty much coaching every single day. So it's pretty much 90 day program because like I always say to my clients, look, the triggers don't happen while you're on the phone to me. <laughs> we're listening right. to each other. We're respecting each other. Everything's fine. The triggers happen when you get off the video call and your husband pisses you off. He's left his laundry on the ground again, or your child's being rude to you or whatever it is. This is when the triggers happen. So that's what I want to know. What happened? Let me know. When did you first feel like this? Let's explore what beliefs these are triggering. Let's heal that belief. So that's, that's why I get the results I get because I'm there for them and they feel strong enough because they know that I'm there to go back into their past, which is often something they felt too scared uh, to do by themselves because it's, it is scary. It's deep and it's painful, but because they know I'm there with them every step of the way. And in essence, I'm reparenting their child before they know how to do it themselves. I'm role modeling. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I I need to do this with you. 
I'll be in touch. (laughs) Every episode I have, I'm like, I'll be in touch with you. I'm going to call you. I mean, I have a lot of coaching to do, a lot of uh, courses and a lot of therapy. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. And um, thank you for opening our eyes to something that I bet a lot of people don't even know about. So I do hope that those of you that are listening try to take advantage of uh, this type of work in any way that you can, of course, with Lavinia is the best way, but um, really look into it. Even if it's reading an article on it, I think it's super helpful. Absolutely. And thank you, Darren. Yeah, just do what you can and find out how your, your past might be affecting you because it definitely will be. Great. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast. And please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis. <laughs>